Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at earsports.com. This is a Paramount podcast. I am Mike Casaza. If it is a Saturday in September, that means West Virginia is playing. And more often than not, Chris Anderson, it means West Virginia is winning. Mountaineers, third straight win. First time ever under Neil Brown. 20-13 to 13 victors over Texas Tech. The first time under Neil Brown. Problem solved, I guess, right? Sure. Let's wrap it up. Until next time. <laughs> no. um, there's, there's a lot to say here. Again, this is a... I hate to keep going back here. Let's not call it the ink blot test because we already said that, but maybe the Rorschach, which is actually the name for the ink blot test. You, you see what you want here, but wins are prettier than losses for a program that has had more losses than wins a couple of times or hasn't had wins in enough frequency where you should take them for granted. You probably shouldn't be too down about this, especially when you consider a number of the things that happened to West Virginia before this game, maybe even during this game an opponent that has had their number, but certainly seems to be going through some things here too. Three and one, Chris, two games over 500 for the first time since the bowl game against Army in 2020. They have not played a regular season game at two games over 500 since Brown was three and one back in 2019. Um, again, problem solved, I guess, but where where do we begin here on, uh, I don't know, heads or tails or beauty's in the eye of the beholder here is a win is a win is a win or do you still look down the road a little bit and see more formidable opponents and bigger challenges and thus you worry about what you watch tonight and maybe have watched the past couple of games start with something positive all right let's go with the defense because i gotta ask you i ask you this like i i joked about it um about workshopping my post-game hot take um, wvu defense is actually good and I want to pitch to you why, why that's possible. I'm I'm still uncertain, I, you know, because obviously the you know, Pitt had a lot of things to work on. Duquesne is Duquesne. Texas Tech is, I thought, was going to be the toughest of the three opponents, at least as far as the defense goes, um, with Texas Tech's offense. But like you noted, they still have some things they need to work on. West Virginia still came up with a ton of rushing yards. Um, they had to resort to their backup quarterback, who, again, picked apart this defense last year so let's not pretend like you know he hasn't done it before but let's say this let me pitch, pitch i'm going to pitch this to you you tell me if this is plausible they brought in good players and they changed their scheme and it works but in week one against penn state they made the what i agree with an educated guess or or a stab to hey if we're going to beat penn state we need to stop the run, and if the quarterback beats us, he beats us. And he did. Like, you just have to give credit to the Penn State quarterback because they they put all their chips in the stop-the-run basket, and Penn State's quarterback beat them. Duquesne, they, Duquesne's whatever. You know, they, they they admitted they went extra vanilla and didn't really care. Pitt, they shut down. Now, I get it. Everybody, including West Virginia's DBs, agrees that Pitt's quarterback's kind of stinky, but he hasn't been as bad against other opponents as he was against West Virginia. His worst showing was against West Virginia. And then the same goes for Texas Tech today. Is there is there something here? Is there a kernel of truth to this that it is possible that the WBU defense is 
fixed slash legit, like something more than competent. Yeah, absolutely. For every reason you just mentioned there. And when you add up a bunch of small parts and small explanations, you get a big picture and a big um, resolution. So I think that is certainly on the table there. It does look like they've hit on transfers. And I think we forget this sometimes too, but like you really have to count guys like Marcus Floyd and Mike Lockhart who were in their second year, but you know, how great were they supposed to be last year? There's a certain bar you'd like them to clear, but you also have them back again. So it's not just Beanie Bishop and Tommy Durajayi and Davon Hawkins and Fatorma Moba and Anthony Wilson. Like these are guys that are mattering right now, but it's guys who were here last year and they didn't bring him just in for the 2022 season. They brought him because they had a couple years. Left. So I think that's part of the picture there too. They have changed some things up. Brown talked about that after the game. He was finally asked a little bit about the changes they made and you know, not only between seasons, but maybe within this season. So I think some of the coaching did take, um, I don't, I don't want to like put fluke out there because it was an FCS team that did it. But I think you look at some of the things that happened against Duquesne and you're like kind of fluky, right? And then they've made two power five opponents look very mortal, very normal the past couple of games where West Virginia had been like the antidote for offenses that were struggling before you put them on the field against West Virginia's defense and voila, things get a lot better. And all of a sudden West Virginia's defense is the, the, the problem solver for your offense. So there's like a collection of factors there, coaching, recruiting, development, performance, that's coaches and players there. I think that has something to do with it, but I would say this too. They, they can play different styles because Pitt is not like Texas Tech, but they were able to put together lineups and schemes. They were able to combat personnel combinations, two weeks, two opponents in succession that are not like each other, and they never really look frazzled or puzzled, and that's good. And if you watch some of the things they're doing now too, like these are personnel combinations that are different from time to time. Like, And we're seeing some, some curveballs too, like two bandits at once. That's weird, right? Uh, we're seeing Marcus Floyd playing like spear, nickel, but also the high safety. So they have players who can do some things. They talked about this. They would have versatile players, not like positionless, but they would transcend the label where you're just a safety. You're just a cornerback. You're just a rush end, right? They're just doing stuff that, that gives them a chance. So I'm not sure how great they are because they have played, what'd you say, stinky offenses, right? Um, yeah. And the fact is, they're, they're one drop pass from overtime tonight. And if they blew that play and that ends up as a touchdown for Texas Tech and they lose, I don't know, 30 to 20 in overtime or whatever, then all of a sudden you're having a very different conversation about them. But this is also a team that had their number last year and for many years and that it came down to one play that worked out for them. That means they played pretty well for the 81 snaps around that play. And the small margin of error is not necessarily because of the defense, because the offense wasn't super efficient either. So um, long answer short, I think you're right. They have a good defense potentially, but it's probably on track to be there sooner than later. Yeah. And I think, and I think the thing that, that sticks with me is that it was kind of all three levels for West Virginia today. It wasn't like they got picked on on one spot or it was a couple of solid players. I mean, obviously there's some standouts. You already mentioned Marcus Floyd. That was, he was just outstanding, and the and the way the coaches used him was outstanding. Like that's that is a lot of that goes is credit to the coaching staff, and a lot of that goes to Floyd as well. Like they that, that's 
uh, being put in the right positions and being asked to do the right things and then him completing the job. But with the defensive line making a lot of plays early, uh, I don't, you know, they weren't as disruptive. I didn't think late and kind of got, I don't know if they got tired or whatever it was, but they were solid. Uh, linebackers were solid. Trey Lathan was laying bombs everywhere. I think he led the team in tackles. Lee Cove was in pass coverage, putting the seatbelt on in the end zone. Well, and then we already talked about Floyd. Uh, Aubrey Burks had, well, I would say, was his best game of the year so far. Beanie Bishop was outstanding at cornerback. Um, could argue, you know, between like Bishop and Floyd, like those two guys almost single handedly saved the game for West Virginia today. It, it was, it was absurd. Yeah. I mean, players played well. And that's, that's what it comes down to. You can't have a good defense where just the linebackers or just the line or just the secondary plays well. It takes a combination of, you know, ideally all three, but certainly two of the three parts. But, their position players are playing well. Um, Bishop's very confident out there. He doesn't make tackles. He's not afraid or doesn't miss tackles. He's not afraid to fly in and make plays because I think if he doesn't get the the PBU, he's going to get a tackle. And he said this too, like he's told the defensive backs. And this sounds like terrible advice, by the way, when you think about what they've been and not necessarily what they want to be. But he said like PBUs are cool. Interceptions are elite. Like why would you want to break up a pass or make a tackle when you can – intercept the pass right and that's a mentality thing is he going to pick off every pass no but he's going to go in there and have that that approach where he's going to be aggressive and and he does that he's not afraid to do things and he stood up very very well at the end of the game there too um, I was not prepared for Marcus Floyd to become Lawrence Taylor blitzing off the edge and just running around tight ends and tackles who were not ready for that pursuit angle by him and then you're right they're linebackers I mean they were great <laughs> I mean they, they bought some snaps for both Koba and um, uh, Lathan because they played cutter early and those two were active when they had to be active. But also cutter gave him good snaps and relief too. And that line just continues to roll people in, keep them fresh. And again, like small samples are not stretching guys out from 12 to 15 plays one game to 30. The next they're making sure that those are quality snaps. Those guys are playing. So their front line could be effective. It's, it's a plan. You like a plan. The plan has to work, but you have to have a plan. And their plan right now is being consistently, um, implemented and it's being executed better and better. And that's, that's promising because they, they, they have a long time before the end of the season here. There's no reason this shouldn't be a better defense than what we're seeing right now. Just the concern. I wouldn't say the problem. The concern is that soon and maybe not, I don't know. The offenses are going to get better. Uh, TCU is probably the best offense since Penn state. I would say, I don't think there's much argument there, but I'm not sure how great they are offensively. And then Houston, I don't know, that doesn't look good. And then Baylor, I don't know, that doesn't look good. So there's there's a chance that this defense could could get hot and could get on a run here. Absolutely, it, but like you just said, I mean, it's it's there's a chance they could be good and they could be good and solid all year long. But these last two games, you know, holding Pitt to six, holding Texas Tech to thirteen, winning when you're scoring twenty and seventeen, it's not sustainable long term. So I guess that brings us to the offense here. And was it? Wait a second. First off, was that you who got? Come on, Mike. Let me enjoy the the win. Was that you? No, that was. Uh, is his name Mike? There was another Mike in there. I guess there, I there know, must I have guess. been another Mike because somebody asked about Green. I guess and he's like, "Let me enjoy the win." Not me. Let's say. Okay. Okay. Good. I'm glad it's not you for once. But what do we think of the offense? Like, is there? Is this? Is it as bad as it looked, or is it possible that it could be? that offense that moved down the field 
um, what was that fourth quarter, you know, to, to push that lead to 10 back up to 20 to 10. I'm going to go in the middle here. And I think closer toward the ceiling than the floor. I did not hate what they did offensively. I think that they expected better out of their running game and didn't get it. Um, the fact that they didn't play CJ down so much in the second half, just because he wasn't sharp. And they said that like he had four carries in the second half. And they said, yeah, he just isn't sharp. We don't want to play him. Their offense wasn't there. Um, the way they imagined it would be, especially with the backup quarterback. Um, I think we have to wonder about their great depth at running back right now, too, because it gets different um, once you take Donaldson off the field. And you can't really run your quarterback too much, even though Marchio did use his legs quite a bit tonight, too. So I think they they were playing with one hand tied behind their back a little bit with the backup quarterback. I'm not sure how significant of a change that is when they're calling plays, because I think there's things that Marchio was comfortable with. And in particular, that's stuff that Texas Tech hadn't seen. So you have the Garrett Green bag and you have the Nico Marchio bag. And you're going to reach into each one and pull out something different. And I think the Tech was probably doing a bit of a guessing game, even though Marquio got a lot of run against Pitt. But they didn't show a whole lot in that game for sure. And you saw when they had to have plays, they were doing some stuff where they were just flooding one side of the field with like three or four different receivers um, executing, just kind of interchanging routes. Like one time, the you know, the tight end might run a wheel and the receiver might be in the flat and the running back just might go up. And then the next time, maybe the running back is in the flat and the tight end goes north and the receiver runs a wheel. It's just different things like that where – it seemed like Marquia was comfortable with that. And then when they had to have points, they went to that. I also like the fact that they, it was when they get to be 13, 10, I mean, they knew they were not going to be able to run the ball effectively and win this game. They're going to have to pass it. And they called some pass plays. Marquia ran on one of them and that was, it's still a pass play, but they gave him a chance to do stuff. It wasn't turn around and hand it off. So there is potential there. And then frankly, they just missed some stuff. I mean, they missed a touchdown on the drive that ended up with a field goal in the first half. They definitely miss a touchdown on Hudson Clement, um, the incomplete, complete, let's review it play. That should have been a bomb for a touchdown. And they had some openings where, you know, passes were dropped or just missed, and they, they had some chances. You know, Preston Fox had a drop. Cole Taylor had a drop. Devin Carter had a drop that became an interception. Um, you can't say give them all those plays because they still haven't earned the benefit of the doubt at that position receiver. But – they all went wrong in those situations. If a couple of them go their way, then the drives survive. And maybe they get in the end zone instead of kicking a field goal. Maybe it's a very different game. Brown said it should have been 27 to three at the half. I'm not sure I share his enthusiasm there, but I can agree with the premise that they played better than maybe the score indicated. The trouble is that they did have some flawed parts and they still do have some flawed parts. But I think that the offense is better than you saw tonight um, and, and was close. Caveat, four scoring drives, Three extended by brutal Texas Tech penalties on third down. Um, that's not quite the same as Texas Tech dropping a touchdown in the end zone, but they turned a field goal into a touchdown, and they turned either punt slash go for it decisions into first downs that West Virginia scored on both times. So uh, Texas Tech played a part in that too. There was a there was a point there where West Virginia had, I feel like it was like, I mean, they, first off, seven defensive penalties. And yeah, five of them resulted in first downs. Awful. And there was a point there where, yeah. And, and like, I don't think there were really any question marks about many of them. I think one of them, like the hold on Preston Fox, I think was kind of meh. But like a lot of them, God, one was like that face mask on Nico Marchio, where that guy not only grabbed uh, Marchio's face mask, then held on to it for like a good five seconds afterwards, <laughs> continued to keep pulling it. So like they really earned those 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 penalties for the most part. I think only the one was meh, but yeah, they had some brutal ones. Not just those of them. They kickoff return right before halftime. They get a fifty nine yarder from oh. Dre McRae. 
and get called back for for holding. And man, Dre, seeing Dre McRae out there for those who follow recruiting, West Virginia tried to get him this offseason as a transfer, and whew, he could have really, really, because he was the one that also made the fourth down and nine contested catch for Texas Tech. Um, that guy, I mean, it, his stat sheet's only going to show three catches for 18 yards, but felt like he was a little more involved than that. Speaking you, of receivers, Mike. Go ahead. What's the solution here? Because I, I just don't – this was a bad day for them again. Um, and I think I already had them 10th out of 10 in my position group power rankings. And fully into the – like I mean, Neil Brown's basically and, and Bilal Marshall are, are going, all right, our best options right now or might be two true freshmen and two walk-ons. <laughs> and like, do we, can you say, can you definitively say that they're wrong if like they go that route? Yeah, boy. Well, you're, you're, you're wrong in that you whiff on the portal. Um, but you're probably wrong if you don't play him too, you know? So you're, it's, it's just, which wrong are you picking? You know, that's that's a good yeah. question there. I mean, they're not getting anything out of Ja'Shawn Polk and Noah Massey and EJ Horton and, and Devin Carter can certainly play better than he has. I, I wonder now, Chris, does this does Cole Taylor have to be like a 50 catch guy? Hey, you're talking to the guy who said Cole Taylor's gonna lead this team in targets. And I said it two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Come all in. Like if he is by far the best option right now. But am I reading this right? Devin Carter was targeted six times tonight and caught one pass for six for yards. Six yards. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and dropped dropped the one that got picked off, and then you know it's, it's got to be better than that. It just has to be. But also, like I mean, he was he they missed him once on a wide open play on a third down that they ended up having to punt on too. So not not all on him. Um, question for you, Chris. Mm -hmm. By yardage, who is the team's leading receiver? Well, it's Cole Taylor, right? It's Hudson. Oh, receiver, Clement. receiver, receiver. It's Hudson Clement. Okay. With one hundred and ninety-six yards, of which one seventy-five came one game. One seventy-five game. One seventy-eight came one game. One seventy-seven came one game. Um, I think I might have to take back that uh over under on touchdowns for him because I don't think he's getting three more. I think you said five and a half was the over under, right? Yeah. I mean, he may have to for this offense to be good or better or what it's supposed to be, but I'm not sure he's going to get there because it does seem like that maybe because of reputation, but he has a hard time getting open now. And also, like, I'm just – I wonder what the rapport is on him and Marquio right now. I'm not sure, but um, I, I do not know what the answer is, but, like, they're they're running a lot of people in, too. And, I, I mean, not the, – the snap counts will be interesting, but, like, Ray played a little bit and Gallagher played a little bit, but they're not getting incorporated. And, again, just to whip on these transfers, Massey, Polk, Horton Horton's getting like pinch hitting duties here where there's like, well, we can try to hit a home run here and see what happens. And it, it could have happened, but odd usage for him. And now you're left with Carter Fox Clement. Uh, I don't think I even saw Jeremiah Aaron out there today. If he played a, okay, maybe, but like just Bram Bram was okay. Probably his best performance of the year. You would think, but I don't know what they're doing here unless they're just going to run guys out there, but also they're just going to have to get better quarterback play and, um, you know, 12, yeah, 12 out of 21 tonight. That's after six out of nine last week from, from Arkeo. 
not going to do it. But again, I think I think that I think he was better than twelve out of twenty-one when you consider there were some drops. The one interception shouldn't be on him. The one absolutely is on him. And he also missed some stuff that, you know, I'm not saying that you got to give him the 80-yard touchdown, but he passed for 78. And if he disconnects with Clement in stride like he should, he doubles that. That's a, I think it was a full field, like an 80-yard field there too. So um, they need to lift up the quarterback play, even though you would think it like relative to the situation and the players, you would hope that the quarterback play could lift up these new receivers. But that doesn't seem to be the case right now. So it's really upon these receivers, especially the older people who are college veterans and they were brought in to do this sort of work. They're really going to have to raise their level of play and bring along the quarterback with them, which is an extremely tall task, I know. Well, let me ask you about another group of veterans. How we feel about the offensive line today? You're not great, but they played a pretty good defensive front, though. Okay. Like, I mean, they finished 42 carries, 157 yards, um, just six yards on sack yardage. So I guess adjusted 163. Um, not great. Uh, didn't give up a ton of pressure and penetration against a good front, but um, just the average rush was yeah 3.7 yards per carry. That counts one knee at the end of the game. So um a little better but not by much the long run is 19 yards that's by Marchio. i think the long run last week was 17 yards and again i wonder if this is going to stick in our crawl right now but this is a team that doesn't really break tackles and runs to contact and when your guy who was supposed to break through tackles and, and endure contact when they can't give him the ball in the second half because he's not effective at this point of this season with the quarterback play and the offense is being what it is that's a bit of a concern and, and i wonder how much of a cj donaldson 15, excuse me, 15 for 48. How much of that line is tied to the offensive line? What do you think? Well, no, I was, I was kind of, you know, I do my stock up, stock down at the end of the game. And for me, I just kind of had them the same because I thought they did fine. I'm with you. I thought Texas Tech was, was snacking the box a little bit and they're pretty decent players too. Like, I don't think that's a team that, you know, West Virginia's front line is clearly better than their front, their defensive front. So I thought they held their own. I thought they were fine, like a C-plus kind of average. But I had some people kind of jumping on me on the board, like, hey, this is stock down for this O-line again. And I didn't feel like it was that in that territory. I just wanted to check with you, see if I wasn't seeing something. I mean, like uh, Bill Parcells, like you are what your record is, right? Three and one. But you really are what your stat line is at some point, too, when your offense is your run offense and you're getting less than four yards of carry and you're not getting any 20-yard runs in a game. Um, yeah, could you break tackles? Could you juke defenders? Sure, but like I'd be very interested to see what their yards before contact is. I had to look that up, but I'm guessing that relative to the national ranks, they're probably lower half right now because it seems like they get contact early. Um, be curious, that'd be an interesting evaluation there, too. You want to update on the big play 30 plus yard plays? Uh, you know, something I've wrote about the last like three, four years about how it's just not happening since Neil Brown's gotten here. West Virginia came into the game in a tie with, you know, only a couple games in, so, but a tie with like 20-some teams for 90th place with only five through the first three games. Can you guess what the how many plays they had over 30 yards today? West Virginia? Yeah. I'm guessing zero, right? Their long run was zero. Yeah, okay. They had a, uh, the, the 21-yard pass play, which was the double pass from Taylor. Traylon Ray to Cole Taylor. It was the only play that went over 20 yards today. The only one. It's not great. No, it's not. 
Do you know it's not? Do you think the quarterback change for Texas Tech changes the story here? Are they better off with Tyler Shook in the game? Is Morton more dangerous because maybe they abandoned the running game? Although the running game was a lot better than we gave them credit for, Chris. Maybe we have to take that back. Um, I just wonder, like we we talked last week, okay, they changed early in the game, so you have to grade West Virginia's offense on a curve here. Um, Morton carved them up last year. He, he got a little bit, I wouldn't say hot, he got lukewarm, room temp at some points in this game, but they, they were they were so bad on first down for a long time that they never really got into tempo, and that's when he's dangerous. Um, let, let's apply the standard to, to Texas Tech and maybe to West Virginia's defense, by example. Does that explain anything tonight, going from starter to backup? No, I actually think they were better with the backup, and that's probably something that's been trending that way for a couple games, and it's what our Texas Tech site said. And I think that's what you said the moment um, you know the injury happened, and you, you said – you know, West Virginia like, or Texas Tech might have been better off or West Virginia might have been better off if, if the injury didn't happen just because of the way things were going. So maybe in the national narrative, like they'll just kind of pencil it in as, oh, look, backup quarterback. But in reality, I think putting uh, Morton has made that for game for West Virginia than it was going to be or what it looked like, at least early. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of quarterbacks, by the way, can I give you an update on the Phil Jerkovic situation? Please, is he getting booed at home? No, he's not getting booed because he's currently six for six and has rushed for 29 yards as Pitt is leading UNC 14 to seven. I don't know if West Virginia's defense is that good or my stink from the charity bets is that bad. I'm not certain which. Anything else out of this one here? We've covered a lot. Haven't covered everything. There's some things that I think we could talk about tomorrow or maybe later on down the road, but I think we did give game balls maybe where they're supposed to be, and we certainly asked some some questions and maybe pinned some stars on helmets too. But um, for for a, a weird game like this, there is a bit to talk about, but also sometimes the talking points are very obvious as well. I still want to give kudos to special teams. I feel like they, I mean that that whole side of the ball has kind of been, pardon my language, like crapped on by fans and and maybe us a little bit um, over the past few years. And it struggled big time, uh, but it's been excellent so far this year and was excellent again today. I think kickoff was was great. Hayes seems to be doing a nice job. He made two nice kicks, important kicks in tough situations, tough weather. Um, Preston Fox was excellent in punt return. Uh, kickoff coverage when they were returning him was good. So pretty good day by that side of the ball. Um one thing I wanted to ask you, do you remember, remember, you know, on Thursday when we did our preview pod, and asked, what's, what's going to be the talking point after the game? And I think I said Cole Taylor, which yeah. not really. I mean, I guess he was the star for the offense, which is not he, saying much of anything. He had the long play and the touchdown, right? There you go. Yeah. But what what was it? What, 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 else, what, was, what was the talk of the day? Is it the defense? Is it Marcus Floyd? Is it Beanie Bishop? Boy, that's a good one here, too. Um I mean, I think that, boy, this is, the, this is hard to phrase. They they were well coached today. I know we can talk about, we haven't even talked about this, but some of the decisions as far as managing the clock at the end of the game, that was okay. But there's explanations there that I can understand. I'm not sure anybody agrees with them, but, like, I, I get it. And Maybe they should have hit that ball to, to Horton and the game's over. Um, and they still win, by the way. But special teams – they had a plan for their backup quarterback. When they they needed to put the, the pedal to the floor, they did, and they scored a touchdown. Um, their defense, they played a pretty light box defensively to slow down and and like 
discourage the quarterbacks and that worked. But when the team did get going on the ground, they were able to adjust. And I would say they didn't stop Brooks, but they did a better job against him in spots, but they didn't completely abandon their plan. And they still held up in the secondary and, you know, they were motivated to win this game too. Like if you just heard some of the chatter after the game, they were in your face with a lot of the stats and the memories from last season. That's two weeks in a row where they've really kind of proved that the past can be part of the present there too. So I think, I think you have to go coaching because if you look at the other side, um, just the penalties, some of the, um, you know, they didn't have a great plan switching from one quarterback to the other. I don't think it took them a while. They, they didn't really attack the defense of West Virginia like you thought they would. And then I thought like maybe like a, I don't want to say boneheaded play, but like it, it certainly loomed for a while, especially when it was a three-point game. But they Texas Tech went for a 14 at the end of the first half for no reason. And just punt the ball and make Marchio, who was kind of struggling at that point, make him go the length of the field to do anything in like the final three and change. Instead, they give him a short field. West Virginia should have scored a touchdown on that drive. Instead, they kick a field goal. They go up by three or they go up by 10 at the half, but it should be a you know, a seven point game at the half, that's a little bit different to change the strategy in the second half. Um, I, I just thought the West Virginia had like some, some tangible, intangible advantages there too. But uh, defense is really hard to ignore here. Like they're, they played very well on defense and, you know, as, as promised, they said they were going to be better in the secondary. I don't know how much of that is the quarterback and the offense and the other teams, but they're doing something to affect the quarterbacks there. My uh, my my talking point was the first quarter splits, which were ridiculously in favor of Texas Tech in the previous four games here. Um, I think 61 to 13. West Virginia won the first quarter 7-3, and they were down 3-0, and they were staring at like a bad situation on that first drive, it looked like. And then all of a sudden, the quarterback's out for the other team, and everything shifts, and you don't see the panic. You're, you realize you're not going to be in a foot race in this game. I think everybody settled in and realized, okay, this plan we have to be patient, be cautious, but be, you know, efficient and then follow the defense that can actually work. And I think everybody kind of rallied around that after a while. You'd call on the first quarter splits too. Cause I think coming into this game, this was one that I was like, this, this could be a game that gets out of hand quickly and not in West Virginia's favor, because I just didn't think offensively they'd be able to keep up. And I was uncertain if their secondary would be able to slow down Texas tech and, once they were able to, you know, hang tight and, as you noted, win the first quarter, it was like, wait, this is the type of game this could be, and this is how West Virginia could win. And, I mean, if I'm if I'm flipping my switch or my view of the game from afar in that situation, imagine what it's doing for the people that are, are sitting on the sidelines that are working up there in the in the booth uh, and calling the play. So I think that, that, was, that definitely was a key for the game. Yeah. And, and I'm with you on the coaching part, too. I don't – you haven't been able to read my stock up, stock down, but that was a bonus stock up because I, I said the coaching decisions. I didn't agree entirely with that, you know, three play set there at the end that you noted, but the um, coaching like like prep, the preparation for this game, and how they had the team ready and the game plan they had in place, that's coaching, and and they definitely won that one. Yeah, I think sometimes you you can lose games on Saturdays as a coach, and you can win them on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and. That, that's probably more of what happened this week. They had they had Marky already. They knew what they had to go to. That was fine. But and just to consider this here for a second, um, West Virginia wins a game with 256 yards of offense, 99 yards of passing. They're outgained by 65 yards. They have two fewer first downs than the opponent. They go three for 13 on third down. The other team runs 17 more plays. The other team averages 10.7 yards of completion, 4.2 yards of rush. They're two nothing in the turnover margin the wrong way. And they win. That does not happen very often. 
I'm trying to look up how often. And it, it's it's hard. That's I mean, with two interceptions and less than a hundred yards passing, West Virginia has with fewer than a hundred yards passing and two interceptions, West Virginia has not won a game since nineteen eighty five till tonight. <laughs> And what we had last week, that there's something that hadn't happened in at least 43 years. I yeah, it was, that a, one it was like 59, like fewer than 60 rushing yards or something like that. Yeah. This is like Pappy Lewis. Passing guards. Pappy Lewis football now. <laughs> oh, boy. October well, we 19th, have, 1985. We, we have something on our hands here. We're turning back the clock like this and looking forward to whatever is next here. Um, we'll have the full cavalcade of Sunday features on the website. Um, I will have three things. I think three things I know. We will have snap counts. I'll have the quotes and notes from the post game. Chris Power rankings ought to be interesting. Plays a change the game. There's going to be quite a few swings here, I would think. Um, big Sunday after a win again. Uh, longest. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. I think this is the longest plays that change the game I've ever had. As far as like the plays where, because I follow it as the game's going on and put them in, on a, in a Word document. It is almost three pages long of plays of just just the play. Like each each line is a single play that actually had an impact on the game. And there were a bunch of them. You're right. I was going to throw some TCU information here, talk about their passing game, what they did today in the win against SMU. But uh, as somebody said, can we just enjoy the win, Mike? So I'll let Neil Brown sign off of that. Until next time, I'm Mike Casazza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We will talk to you then.